Yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch the Third, coming to you live from the Palatial Home Studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Santa Ana, California, for yet another episode of YWL Online's Anything Can Happen Saturday. Joining me in studio, as per the usual, is my friend, my brother in Christ, the disembodied voice of Rudy. Hi, everybody. I love you all. And joining us from a more than acceptable safe social distance through the miracle of telephony is my father, Chaplain Bill Hatch. How are you doing? Doing well, well. Good evening, my fe- fellow Bible inquisitors. I trust you are having a good Saturday. Second Saturday of the month, right? Yeah, yeah. At least it is right now. Okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll find out when it actually gets uploaded. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I fell, I fell a couple days behind. But, uh, um, but yeah, um, well, we've, uh, we've got a lot of great material to go through uh, tonight uh, with Second Peter 3 as we explore Dr. John Barnett's 52 Greatest Chapters of the Bible. Yay. Uh, number 40, no, number 50 in order. So, uh, so only two more after this, yeah. and uh, and we'll be through it all. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is one of the last single chapters. It's an actual single chapter. It's a chapter this time, not a not a passage. It is. <laughs> so, uh, but first, I think we have time for Rudy minutes. Walk, 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 walk with the Lord. Uh, this week, my dad uh, got sick. My sister found him passed out on the on the toilet. Uh oh! So she thought he died. So she goes, he looked peaceful, rubbed his back, and you know, I guess she was like, just saying while he's gone. But I, it happened that he just fainted because his blood pressure got up too low. So he went to the hospital, and my family is. Hey, uh, that's sick. I'm not gonna call Lawrence because they don't like you. Everybody doesn't like each other. I don't understand. Your brother, when you're a kid growing up together, you're willing to die for your brothers or your sisters or kill for them. Now they don't even want. Everybody doesn't want to talk to each other. So Bill, we're talking. Me and Bill, and then Bill said, "Did you tell your dad about God?" I told my dad about God when I was a kid. Cops were after me. I would go to church, and then uh, a couple. Of, I went for a while. And then I think after after it's kind of calmed down, I went back to my neighborhood. But see, I, now I have God because I don't have cops after me or nobody after me. I have God with a sincere heart. So, and I do, I did tell my dad. And the thing is, love your parents. Well, your mom was bad. My mom was bad. I, I every time somebody talks about her, like my brother just said the other day. Don't go towards the fire because he said my mom. You see, mom, don't go towards the fire. But see, that was a legacy she left. That was her fault. If you want to have a good legacy, your kids loving you, you should be a little bit better so they can have good memories. But the thing is, uh, we're getting older. Love your parents. Love the people that are left behind still because you love them. And uh, I'm worried about my dad, but I love him. And I know that I tell him about God. And I hope he accepts it. And you know what? I love you guys. Keep an eye on the elderly. Don't put them in the back room. Because that's where I'll be one day. 
I love you all. Welcome, welcome with the Lord. Uh, Rudy, you have been through a lot, and God has blessed you and guided you and given you his grace and peace, and we're all glad for that. And yes, yes we are all supposed to honor our mothers and fathers. Yep. Yes, indeed. So you <laughs> listen to that, Bill. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay. I'm doing my best. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it, uh, it is important to uh, to make sure that your uh, your parents know about Jesus and uh, and accept him. Um, if you're the tool, if you're to be the tool for their salvation, then uh, then that's a good thing. Um, if not, at least you uh, at least you put in the effort and uh, you know planted a seed that someone else might water. But you're never too old to receive God's grace. That is the truth. Why you're still breathing. We right. really do have to say that. There's yeah. no chances afterwards when the judgment comes and we stand before God. We can't yeah. just say, oh, let me go back and have another chance. No. It just doesn't work that way. No second chances. No. Once your ticket gets punched, that's it. You're done. What was that? Once your ticket gets punched. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, totally did not receive that. Okay. All right. So, Second Peter, chapter 3, but yes. some background as that is truly necessary for it. For instance, okay. uh, let's see. The overall threat addressed in Second Peter is more from the inside false teachings than it is from things on the outside influences. Um, let's see, where do I want? The letter of Second Peter had a more difficult time joining the canon of the New Testament. Uh, it was disputed up into the 4th century even, mainly due to its significant difference in style and methodology from First Peter, and perhaps in a very uh, Greek way of expressing ideas that seem like they were beyond uh, Peter's upbringing. Um, I really mm -hmm. wonder if maybe he didn't have some John Mark writing this for him, uh, but still we have it. What is interesting uh, is about the timing of the writing. Because we have that uh, the author is very much at home with the letter of Jude. For he appears to incorporate a, an edited version of most of that letter. And the study Bible says that's Second Peter 2 and all the way through chapter 3, verse 7. So it's relative to say that for our study tonight. Uh, of course, this means that the author uh, is writing after Jude and is the first witness to the existence of the letter of Jude. So they support one another. But Jude apparently is first, was written before. Uh, we get in a lot of difficulty with the exact dating. 
because if it's Peter, even if, it, you know, he died at the time of Nero, which was just before the death of um, the, the destruction of Jerusalem. It's the death of Jerusalem, but the destruction of uh, the temple and Jerusalem itself. So we have some of these other points, and it could be that, in my opinion, okay, this is just Chaplain Bill's opinion, is that Peter quoted the letter to John Mark, the author of Mark, uh, and it may have taken him a while to get it out to the churches or to the individuals. We don't really have anything that says who's who he was writing to, but it appears that it was, he was writing to Gentile new Christians, not uh, Jewish converts to Christianity. The reason being is the way that he references uh, the fact that, well, he says it in our chapter, but it's the things you have heard from your prophets of old, not the readings of Scripture. So it's highly possible they were Gentiles. It also makes it really sound like uh, any prophets or preachers they had had telling them about the Bible were no longer with them and either had moved on to other fields of evangelism like Paul was always doing, or it may be that uh, they died off, which also is what a whole lot of them were doing, uh, whether it was by old age, doubtful. We know that only one of the disciples lived old age just as an example, but we're talking about, you know, the deacons that became preachers and prophets of old. So we have lots of possibilities of who, and the time frame, it can either be very early before 70 AD, it may be as late as 95 AD, uh, and it's all up for our own understanding. I said about John Mark. It is only from my personal opinion that John Mark was actually uh, had a Jewish mother, which we know for a fact, in the upper room. And I have a feeling she may have been very well uh, married to a Roman official, so who had died, by the way, sometime early in John Mark's life. But that would have allowed him to have a top-class Education. Right. And he would have therefore had the knowledge and training to uh, write and discuss things in Greek and in Roman, uh, which would be Latin eventually. But still, we have those kinds of backgrounds. What else do I have? Uh, I said that one must have been written before 96 AD. It was written before the Apocalypse of Peter, which was dated AD 110 to 40. Uh, yes, that's a book outside of our scriptures, but it's referenced, Second Peter is referenced. And we also know that uh, Second Peter, here in Second Peter, it talks about it 
being uh well it references a an earlier writing but it may not be what we call first peter it may be another one of those lost manuscripts that happens so often do I want to go any deeper on that, Bill, or should we go ahead and go into the chapter? Well, I got a, I got a couple things you didn't touch on. Okay. Exactly. Um, let's see. You just mentioned about uh, about John Mark, um, and uh, that uh, um, that Peter used. Uh, you know, Peter. We generally accept that uh, that Peter used John Mark uh, to as his secretary to write uh, uh, the Gospel according to Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, that Peter was the main uh, the main source for that material, um, and uh, and we know that uh, that Peter used Silas um, as his secretary in First Peter, um, and uh, but uh, um, we we're, people are pretty sure theologists or people who study these things are pretty sure that he didn't use Silas to write Second Peter. And so he either used someone else or wrote the letter by himself. It could have been John Mark very well, um, but uh, uh, but we it, it's not mentioned who uh, whose whose hand was actually on the pen. Um, let's see. As far as uh, as far as uh, um, acceptance goes, um, apparently it was pretty controversial. Um, Let's see. Uh, so. Nobody, no church father refers to Second Peter by name, which would be Petro B, Beta, um, or Second Peter, um, until Origen, near the beginning of the third century. Um, Eusebius only included Second Peter in his list of disputed books, along with James, Jude, Second, and Third John. And uh, apparently, even leading reformers uh, like. Uh, um, like uh, like Martin Luther and uh, and his uh, his kind, uh, <laughs> uh, they only hesitatingly accepted it as a uh, as an inspired book. Um, but there are a lot of uh, similarities uh, in vocabulary and structure between the two books, even though they talk about very different things. Uh, you know the uh, the first Peter, the uh, first Peter was uh, was written to help suffering Christians, and Second Peter was written to expose. False teachers, and uh, um, the greet the salutation is the same, essentially the same in both uh, in both uh, books. They use a lot of the same Greek uh, words, um, and uh, some uh, some unusual words um, are found in Second Peter that are also uh, can also be found in the speeches Peter gives in uh, Acts, um, including uh, the word received. Uh, godliness uh, and wages, um, and uh, let's see. Um, yeah, um, so uh, so definitely. Uh, um, oh, and apparently the similarities uh, in vocabulary are in number about the same as the similarities between First Timothy and Titus, which of course uh, almost everybody believes that uh, those were written by Paul. So if the similarities between first and second Peter are about the same number then uh, in volume then uh, then why not believe that Peter wrote, wrote both of those books sure. um, so uh, so yeah so there's no real reason to, to not believe but uh, I guess early on um, 
there was uh, there was some uh, some it was kind of scandalous. Yes. So, uh, um, but uh, um, and I believe some of the final things though. that they worked on to put mm-hmm. it in to the scripture, and I believe it should be here. But it's the fact yes. that it supports Jude, and Jude supports it, right? And therefore, it, it yeah. shows that there's a continual growing together of of scriptures. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, I think really that's got a big piece of why it was selected in. But it would certainly be fun if we had a lost letter of Peter that could be found, mm-hmm. uh, just like yeah. uh, the Gospel of Paul would be really great mm-hmm. to really have a solid copy of it. But we don't, and that would we be work awesome. with what we nope. have. And so we... I mean, I, I imagine there's plenty of, uh, of letters uh, from everybody that we just don't have. Yes. Um, you know, so much was has been lost over the course of time. Um, you know, and uh, <clears throat> and some of it, of course, would have been uh, would have been spuriously edited by uh, by people like the Gnostics and uh, Judaizers. Yep. And so, uh, um, I didn't understand. Oh, sorry. You okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the other thing uh, to mention is, is I'm 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 thinking that uh, it was probably written before. The destruction of the temple, since uh, Nero died before then, and uh, and Peter was uh, um, traditionally was killed in uh, by Nero's uh, people. Yeah. Um, so uh, um, so yeah. So <clears throat> probably uh, probably uh, somewhere in the mid uh, in the mid to late in the mid sixties, mid to late sixties. Yeah, probably so. But those are all fun things that we can say. Wait till we get to heaven. We can find out firsthand. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Got a lot of reading to do once we get there. (laughs) Or maybe we get to jump around in time like God can because he's outside of time. Yep. Uh, All right. Already really covered verse one. Peter references a first writing but his intent for both of them, uh, both letters, is I want to stir up your sincere understanding. He has a heart for his his readers in this. He knows them without necessarily knowing them personally, but he's heard enough about them. It's not written to an exact church, so it's difficult to place it, but he really wants them to... Uh, remember the words previously spoken and this is where the holy prophets come into it may be referring to old testament scriptures but maybe it's referring only to the people who told them his audience now those stories they may not have actually had the opportunity to read the scriptures for themselves And even if they did have those scriptures, they'd be in Hebrew, and these Gentiles wouldn't be able to read it. Uh, I can read Hebrew because my Bible, Hebrew Bible, has English (laughs) word for word underneath it. And even then, it's really easy to get tongue-tied. They might have had a copy of the Septuagint. They might have. I mean, that's possible. They might have. 
but yeah, I don't remember. What's the date on the Septuagint? Uh, I'd have to look at that. Ah, uh, okay. Moving on then. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything on the first two verses? Uh, let's see here. On the first two? Yeah. I've got... No, I don't. Okay. I'm trying to make sure that I haven't missed anything. Uh, now we'll go on to verse 3. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come into the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. That's a good place to pause because it definitely co carries on. First of all, what do you have for scoffers, Bill? Well, for scoffers, those are people who... Uh, you know, Your who, translation uh, who, that you have. Oh, my tra translation for scoffers. Um, let's see here. Well, mockers. I have mockers. Okay. Yeah. Mockers, scoffers. Just wanted to make sure people would be on the same line. Uh, Peter, like everybody else, expected Jesus to return immediately. He hadn't done it then. He hasn't done it now. But that's part of the problem that these scoffers and mockers are using in their support 2,000 years ago and now. And that's the fact that where is his coming, meaning Jesus coming again, mm -hmm. uh, that he promised? I mean, we're more instantaneous uh, desires than they were 2,000 years ago. You know, we expect things to be done immediately, microwave fast, and it wasn't happening. But then these scoffers go on to do some other things. Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlooked look this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about. And then it goes into water. I should have paused before I got there. Uh, one of the things from my study that I found that amazed me, if amazed is the right word, but they were literally trying to put forth the idea. You know what? We know from the from the New Testament preachers and teachers that Jesus died for sins once for all. And therefore, what we do now is already on the cross. Yep. And so the scoffers were literally saying, so it's okay, we can go in and or do these things. Now, I forgot the name of the group, and I want to get it because I have it. Uh, Epicureans. The oh, yeah. Epicureans. Eat, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm sorry? Eat, drink, and be merry. Yes, but without going overboard. Mm -hmm. They wanted it not. They were trying to say it shouldn't be in excess, excess. But it's certainly okay right. to do it. Uh, any kind of immorality that doesn't overindulge. So you can eat until your stomach says you should stop. Don't eat beyond that to where you're uncomfortable. 
You can drink as much as you want until your body says, whoa, that's too much. But they were trying to, and also that meant immorally with other uh, people. (laughs) Not just your spouse, but other people. And they were heterosexuals, as far as I can tell from my studies. So it's that part's there, but it's like, it doesn't matter. You can have more than one wife. You can have more than one lover, which is totally wrong. Just like the others were too, because the Epicureans were they were sort of an offshoot of Pharisees, in my opinion. Pharisees mm-hmm. who would nitpick to the Old Testament laws. Well, the Epicureans mm-hmm. would nitpick on this side of it. Uh, I can eat a turkey dinner and I can have somebody across from me at the table eating a crust of bread. And that's okay. What's mine is mine and what's theirs is theirs type thing. And we, of course, as Christians cannot allow ourselves to do such things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that we should go around in abject, abject poverty. Abject. Yep. Doesn't mean that at all. Uh, it doesn't mean that we should deny ourselves a turkey dinner uh, because we can do that. But if we see someone else who is in need and hungry, we should certainly invite them to dine with us or to take care of them in some way that is better than a crust of bread. Because we have a lot to be thankful for. Uh Before we get into the Noah part, Bill, do you have any background on this one? Uh, just that uh, um, the three and four, um, Peter's really, um, the mockers, of course, are saying that that God's, the, you know, it's never going to, you know, the promise is never going to be fulfilled. And uh, and Peter's going to be uh, basically going to be saying it's not that, that God is, slow in uh, in fulfilling his promises he's just patient with us. yes um you know and uh, and of course he doesn't want anyone to perish so he wants everyone to uh to uh to you know have as much chance and opportunity as uh, as they can to repent um you know it's kind of the opposite of what uh, of what god was waiting for uh in uh during the egyptian uh time frame uh, of uh, the Egyptian captivity was waiting for the uh, um, the people of Canaan to for their sin to come to uh, to its uh, its maximum um, but and so that uh, so that they could uh, so that they could be killed without uh, uh, without hesitation um, and now it's kind of the opposite of that of like, Hey, let's, uh, let's give everybody a, a fair chance to, uh, to repent yes. and, uh, and giving us, of course, the responsibility to spread the word so that people can do that. Yep. Uh, and that's something that we should take advantage of in our outreach to others. Because as Christians, we should recognize that, yes, God's being patient. He wants other people brought to the Lord in his kingdom 
Who's supposed to do that? Well, look in the mirror, folks. It's us. Yeah. Uh, every, it should be every Christian's duty and pleasure to uh, to spread the word. Yes, until he does come, so that we yep. might reach the point of, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we want that certainly in our lives, no matter what. All right, Absolutely. so what we're at at the moment is Verses, oh, I guess it's five and six. But he references how the earth came out of water. Uh, and sure enough, it was, you know, you can read these verses on your own, but it's a great reference to Genesis chapter one uh, when you look at it. And then you can look at science and find out, hey, science even agrees. But the earth came out. Um, I do have a footnote. I do have a footnote here in the Amplified. Okay. Uh, on uh, on uh, uh, the earth was formed out of water and by water. Um, Peter's not referring to the creation of earth from water, but to the appearance of land masses from the water that had covered the earth in the early stages of creation. His point is that the mockers who claim that things have been, uh, wait a minute, that things continue to be just as they always have been will be overlooking the fact that the status quo, as they see it, took an act of God to create in the first place. And God has already intervened in the history of the world once to wipe out mankind by a cataclysmic flood. But never again. Although but we still again. have a lot of flooding going on, it is not cataclysmic. The next one, very simply put, will be destruction by fire. Uh, yep. But here he's talking of referencing Noah. Now, remember, we said the hearers, if they were Gentiles converted to Christianity as compared to Jewish converted to Christianity, but if it was mm -hmm. Gentiles... I think they had to have a reference point for a great flood in their knowledge. Well, it seems to be uh, that the that this flood story that there are flood stories all around the world. There are, um, you know, and uh, um, some of them come to us from very very ancient sources, indeed. So, uh, um, so they certainly would have heard a flood story, even if they had no exposure to the Bible, they likely would have heard yes. a flood story from someone. So Peter is here using something that was common knowledge mm -hmm. and not just from a Jewish perspective. And so yeah. they go through it. And sure enough, it's a fact that uh, when Noah was preaching to him, nobody turned and looked. They all just kept on living their own lives. Uh, it says down in verse, I guess it's verse 7, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment, the destruction of the ungodly. And I was reading in my study Bible something that I don't know that I was really ever considering. What happens if you destroy heaven, the current heaven and the current earth? There's nothing left between 
us, and God. So it all happens at once. Earth and heaven are out of the way. And instead of having them in between the hands, we're right there. Judgment. Mm -hmm. That's when the judgment occurs. Heaven and earth will pass away. And uh, there's no more separation between us and judgment. But the new heaven has a great chasm between us and it. And the only way to get across that chasm is Jesus. Which is all the salvation of Jesus. And it's all by the grace of God. I just never really visioned before doing this study up as a heaven and earth go away. And it's like, there you are, face to face with God for judgment. And that's just amazing idea to me. Concept. You got anything on it? Uh, no, just, uh, just stuff that, uh, um, that kind of builds on, uh, on what, uh, on what you've already said, uh, um, you know that uh, in the present universe, uh, let's see, the uh, the core of the Earth is filled with, you know, essentially a liquid lake of fire, and uh, can reach uh, upwards of twelve thousand degrees uh, Fahrenheit. That is, um, and uh, that we're only uh, only kept away from it by uh, a relatively thin crust um, of uh, of Earth, and. Uh, um, you know that uh, that the whole of creation is uh, is really a firebomb waiting to happen because of the way the atomic stru atomic structures work. Um, we know that uh, um, that uh, that we can create atom bombs and uh, and uh, you know from a small amount of material create these enormous um, explosions. Yes, and uh, of course, uh, um, you know. Uh, when uh, when the sun uh, when when a sun explodes a star explodes that uh, that that atomic explosion is is absolutely enormous, <laughs> um, reaching far beyond the edges of uh, of a single solar system. Yes, um, you know so uh, um, so definitely there's lots keeping us uh, keep there's lots keeping us safe right now, <laughs> but uh, we do live we do live on a giant firebomb. Yeah. <laughs> I found the study Bible thing, and I really would like your opinion on. But the okay. Epicureans that I was talking about, ah, they also yes. wrote, or the study folks wrote, uh, that the Epicureans believe mm -hmm. that the world as a whole, including the gods, little G's, was made of atoms. Mm -hmm. A-T-O-M-S, even back then, atoms, right. that everything yeah. was heading toward final dissolution, that it followed that there was no individual future after death, and certainly no final judgment, and that the best life was therefore lived for the present by maximizing pleasures without <laughs> going too far. But imagine a little the bit idea of, a... of even then thinking about atoms, have a, there was an understanding of structure, but oh, that it was all they, they going to They had no idea what it was. They just, uh, <laughs> yeah. they just had this idea that there was a tiny, tiny thing called an atom. Uh -huh. but, uh, um, but yeah, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned about uh, that, uh, um, 
about having that you would should have your best life now. It's like that at least in part agrees with uh, with the beliefs of the modern day uh, uh, prosperity gospel uh, preachers. Yes, um, you know that, uh, that. Yes, you should have your best life now. And it's like, no, I don't want my best life now. I want my best life for eternity. Amen. This life can suck for all I care. <laughs> all right. Uh, but we have those kinds of beliefs even then. And there's still misunderstanding Scripture, and that's all there is to it. But Peter is not done yet with giving examples because we get into, well, let you read, if you would, verse um, okay. maybe 8, Oop. 9. Oh. I just accidentally turned my page back way far. Uh, I just I just flipped back to like halfway through the Bible. Wow. Can you do verses 8 and 9 when you get caught up? Or shall I yes, I can. Let me. No, no, I can do eight and nine. Okay. Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act, and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. There you have it. another one of the references about time to God is not time to us. And that right. those references start back in Genesis chapter 1. Mm -hmm. I mean, four days of creation before the sun was even created, so don't get 24 hours mixed up with God's timing. Right. We... And this isn't to be uh, this isn't to be taken literally that when in, that God's reckoning one day as a thousand years and and vice versa. Correct. Um, this is this is a reference to just the vast difference in our understanding of time. We're we're stuck in time as human beings, and uh, um, and have a you don't have a hard time and. We don't even have the language to describe how God experiences time, because he's, aside from his interactions with us, he's unaffected by it. Correct. It's just not a, not a thing to him, um, because he created it. So, of course, it doesn't affect him any more than, uh, any more than a painting affects a painter. Um, you know, but... Uh, um, but yeah, and uh, and of course we remember the Old Testament where it says a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years, uh, or a thousand years is as a watch in the night, um, which is only three hours. So, you know, you've you know you've suddenly thrown a big wrench into the uh, into the arguments of a lot of people over uh, over the timing of the Bible, and. Uh, um, you know, and all that. Uh, of course, the word thousand, the number one thousand, was used both in Hebrew and Greek to just mean a whole lot. You know, and uh, you know, a countless number because it was just so unimaginably large yeah. uh, at the time. And uh, and so, uh, um, so yeah. So don't take this literally. But the but fact please. that God is being patient and wants everybody mm -hmm. to have the best opportunity possible. And right. again, without us, that really won't happen very well. We have to take 
opportunities when they arise for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, he's given us the uh, the responsibility, the duty, the and uh, and of course it. Like I said, it should be the pleasure of every Christian to uh, to pass the word. All right, verse ten again is dealing with that final day on earth, mm -hmm. and the fact that the Lord will come like a thief, not as a thief, but quickly like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved. And the earth and the works on it will be, mine says, disclosed. Uh, and I'm sure that's a reference to the spiritual point of the things that are of God will continue to exist because God won't destroy the works of his hands and his program, which is really hard for us to understand. This is God's program. I mean, we are his creation. He set these things into motion and he expects, allows us to be involved, allows us to right. be included. But, and I'd love to know why. Because I don't deserve it, but I'm glad I have it. And I certainly want it to be extended to others. But it's going to happen quickly. Now, only because too many of us think little ways. Remember that when the Bible tells us don't sleep or slumber, those are, what is it, allegories? Is that the right term? Yeah. That they're, yeah, that, I think allegory. Yeah. No, the, not allegory. That's not metaphor. Metaphors. They're metaphors. Yes. Because when the Lord comes somewhere on earth, it's going to be two o'clock in the morning. Right. And that's okay. Don't worry about going to sleep. And when you get to be my age, don't worry about taking naps. Right. It's the fact that we try to focus on the Lord from where we are during our alert yep. times, but not, sorry, I don't believe 24-7. I have said it before. I don't believe that you should be at church every time the doors open and stay there till they close every time. Too many churches think that's what their pastors should do, and that's not right. It has to be a full life for the Lord. And that doesn't mean just in the church building. It means getting out. Of course, uh, this isn't the only part. Uh, you know, Paul uh, Paul talked about uh, how uh, you know the the apostles all told the same message, and and uh, princess, that's enough. Sorry, princess is whining for no good reason. Uh, uh, at least no apparent reason. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, Jesus uh, speaks about uh, about the suddenness uh, and uh, of his return um, in uh, like in Matthew twenty four. Mm -hmm. um, he he tells them, therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so uh, we need to uh, remain vigilant. And uh, and Paul writes uh, in First Thess uh, Thessalonians five that. Uh, um, you know, uh, that because of the end, we don't know when the end is going to be, uh, you know, we should live a holy life 
and uh, um, you know, be awake and alert for the return of Jesus. Um, you know, not to not to stay awake twenty four seven. That's certainly not uh, not anyone's point. Um, but uh, but to always be prepared. You know, so uh, have your uh, have your go bag packed, <laughs> so to speak. So, to, so um, to speak, yes. So to speak, but it's a spiritual bag, folks. Mm-hmm. Don't try to pack anything. Take it to heaven; it won't work. Not even your bibles. I'm sure, all yep. the Bible references will be made known to you when you're up there, but you don't have oh, to yeah. worry about taking one up with you. But Peter, again, is using the reference regularly here about when the earth, when it comes, it's going to be a very fiery situation. Everything is going to burn away that doesn't belong to God. And, of course, the first heaven and the first earth will pass away. Yep. And it will reveal a new heaven and where righteousness dwells. Yeah. You have anything else before 14, Bill? Uh, no. Okay. Go ahead and read 14, 15, and 16, please. Okay. So, beloved, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace that is inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to him. And consider the patience of our Lord, his delay in judging and avenging wrongs as salvation, that is, allowing time for more to be saved, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God, speaking about these things as he does in all of his letters, in which there are some things that are difficult to understand, which the untaught and unstable who have fallen into error twist and misinterpret just as they do the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You said 16? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Honestly, I believe that these last two sentences, the reference about Paul is why Second Peter is in the Scripture. It's in the Bible. I believe fully it's the fact that it acknowledges the ministry of Paul mm-hmm. by Peter, and that is important. Uh to be able to see those points because, yeah, they had disagreements. We all, many Christian leaders do have disagreements. Just look at church board meetings anytime. <laughs> you know, Just had one of those, thanks. Yeah. And to be able to say, okay, here we have the reference to Peter. It's an endorsement. So, that's why I really want to believe that this is an earlier writing because Peter and Paul should both still be alive. But even if it weren't, it does reference letters. And what we never realize is that letters were passed around from church to church until they got worn out, literally. 
That's why we don't have many of them now. They didn't just sit down and make tons of copies because they did not have, uh, they didn't have scanners. They didn't have uh, a lot of paper to write things down. They just didn't have, you know, it was expensive. And there were people looking to destroy those pieces of paper. And did regularly. Yes. And so we have that. But here we have the endorsement. So I was telling the producer earlier today, if I were to put a subtitle on Chapter 3, my point would be Peter in, uh, endorses the work of Paul. Whereas someone else could look at this and say, oh, no, this is about time and the end times. So that should be the subtitle. There's a lot of topics in this one chapter. There is. And uh, to be able to see that Peter is absolutely supporting Paul uh, and the ministry, of whether he's still alive or not, but the writings are there. So mm -hmm. definitely follow, you know, and learn from those writings. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, I do particularly like this passage uh, uh, because of the reference to Paul. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool that you got uh, that you got uh, apostles referring to each other and their letters. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, definitely a little bit of uh, a little bit of insight there into what was going on at the time. Yeah. I'm just individualizing, doing the last couple verses together without necessarily okay. having to read them because Paul, Peter, Peter and Paul, uh -huh. they're both pa, pa, pa. Peter yeah. is again closing out his, his message and he uh, is aware that they have a stable position in their faith. But he's writing to them to be careful. Their secure position is still there. But be careful of lawless people, especially since yeah. many of them can come even from within yeah. the church. And Indeed. sometimes those are well-meaning church people with their own view of what the church should be doing now. And there are those who are totally, as, you know, I give up waiting for Jesus. I'm just going to enjoy myself right now. That's not the right answer for any of us. Yeah. Doesn't mean we can't have fun. It certainly means we can indeed go on vacations, do things for our children and grandchildren, etc. Yeah. But that's a secure position because we do it in the Lord. Yep. And we do have a lot of pleasure that we can have in the Lord without going to extremes like other people say, look what I'll have to give up. It's not it at all. Uh, he still wants everyone to continue growing. That's including us in our knowledge of God and the kingdom. So he says it, it doesn't bother him to say it. It shouldn't bother us to say it to one another. Keep learning about Jesus and God's kingdom. And let's see how to yes. say 
To him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Don't stop praising God. And that's what I have from what I think is a very good chapter. Yeah. And it is one chapter. How about yeah. you, son? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, pretty darn important um, because uh, from this chapter alone, we can uh, we can really kind of better understand what our role is in uh, preparing for the return of Jesus and uh, and preparing for the end of the world. Um, you know, we uh, we do need to uh, to have a, a deep understanding of what uh, what we need to do and. Uh, um, you know, and uh, the return of uh, of the Lord is uh, definitely something we need to be prepared for at all times because we don't know when it'll happen. Um, Correct. I mean, things are always happening, just like Jesus said. All things are always happening that seem like they could be a portent to the end, and uh, you know. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and uh, and floods and 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 all the the bad things of life. You know, it's just the beginning. You know, we don't know when uh, when the end will come. And uh, and playing uh, playing newspaper eschatology is uh, is not the best use of our time. <laughs> no, it is not. Things are going to all bad things are always going to be happening. Unfortunately, yep. we don't have a newspaper that says these are all the good things that happened today, or some of the good yep. things that happened today. Be nice. We don't if we like uh, we don't like reading about that. We want to read about the bad things. Wrong. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Bill, are you ready to lead us in prayer? I think so. Gentle Inquisitor, if you have come this far with us, perhaps you will come a little bit further and join us in this family we call Christianity and prepare yourself for the end, which could come at any time. We do this not by sacrifice, because that sacrifice has already been made, uh, a sacrifice all-sufficient once for all and only once. And, uh, um, and that was uh, the sacrifice Jesus Christ made on the cross with his death and uh, resurrection, so that we can uh, be forgiven our sins and make it into heaven. And uh, we, uh, we also don't use magical spells or mystical ceremonies, because that's not how we roll. Um, the sinner's prayer is not a magic spell. It is, uh, it is an expression of the feelings in your heart. Um, because uh, the Bible tells us that uh, you must not only speak with your mouth, but also believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that uh, that is how we are saved. So, uh, so the sinner's prayer is just an expression of that belief. And, uh, well, whether you've been a believer for a second or a century, the Bible also tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we should, uh, we should all be praying for forgiveness daily if not more frequently than that. And uh, um, I know I've had those kinds of days. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so, uh, so, yeah, so I invite you all to join us in this prayer. Um, I've, uh, we've based it on biblical principles. And uh, although the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible word for word, uh, 
It just means that you don't have to say the exact words uh, that we say. Um, we each say it differently, and uh, and you can say it differently too. Just remember the principles, especially that you need to be forgiven of your sins. You need to ask for and, forgiveness of those sins. Need to ask for forgiveness for Absolutely. your sins. Yes, indeed. And uh, because uh, otherwise, you're going to the nasty place. Uh, <laughs> Gehenna. But uh, um, but anyway, um, and uh, so uh, so I invite you to say the sinner's prayer with us now, and we will all say it together. Okay, here we go. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Cleanse me of my wickedness. Show me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Show me how to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And teach me how to love my neighbor as myself. Teach me how to love my neighbor as myself. Guide my steps along the path you would have me take. Continue guiding my steps along your path. And help me to do the building of your kingdom in the way you would have me do it. And help me continue doing the work of your kingdom that you have for me. Come into my heart and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Remain in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. All these things we we pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. All these things we pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. There you have it. And uh, not the end of your journey, but the beginning. And uh, a new beginning for uh, for those of us who are praying it for the umpteenth time. A new beginning for those who have prayed it for the first time. And so... uh, we, uh, we hope you will go out, find yourself a Bible-believing church with a Bible-preaching pastor with lots of strong Christians to help you figure out your next steps in this life. And uh, because that's the next important step is to do that. And because uh, you can't stop, not now, not ever. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not exactly true. You can you can take breaks. Jesus took breaks every now and again, so uh, so that's a good example to follow. Um, but uh, I know one of the things you should be doing in the future is coming back here to uh, to find more shows. In fact, uh, we'll have a couple of them for you this coming week. Uh, let's see. On Tuesdays, normally we upload uh, the uh, YWL Online's totally approachable Bible study for all which we will be starting back up with Psalm 142 and quite possibly wrapping up the Psalms uh, this coming week. Maybe. And so uh, you'll want to read Psalm 142 through the end of the Psalter. And uh, that's the book of Psalms for those of you who haven't been paying attention. Um, (laughs) And, uh, um, of course, uh, then on Thursday, I will be having another episode, hosting another episode of of Not Quite After Midnight. Almost slipped up on that one. And uh, this time, I, as my guest, I will be having, 
Uh, oh, wow. Actually, I've got two Not Quite After Midnights this week. The uh, the roundtable uh, will uh, be with Tony Salemi, uh, who's been on the show a couple times before. He's always a great guest. And a new guest, Bracha Goetz. I'm guessing on how to pronounce that. I'm going to have to uh, have to find out. And the other show will be a one-to-one interview with John Antall, who uh, uh, he is a leadership coach and uh, is the co-founder of Leadership Rising. And uh, um, so uh, that'll be uh, that'll be another good episode. So there's going to be lots of not quite after midnight this week, and then uh, of course. Uh, one week from today will be another episode of YWL Online's uh, Anything Can Happen Saturday, and we'll be studying First John Chapter 1, which Dr. John Barnett has uh, titled Fellowship. Um, always a good thing. Fellowship is definitely uh, definitely important for us Christians, so make sure you go out and fellowship with some others uh, this coming week. And uh, let's see. And then uh, that's it for uh, for this week. <laughs> okay. And uh, um, you know, so uh, as I always do at the end of another episode, I will ask you, fine gentlemen, if you have anything else to say to the nice people. I love you and love each other. God bless you. Waka 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 with the Lord. And God's blessing from Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Yes, and God's blessings from Santa Ana, California. Be uh, be safe out there. Remember to wash your hands and watch and watch the ending credits. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. I'd like to thank my producer, my beloved mother, Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd like to thank my co-host, my beloved father, Chaplain Bill Hatch, and my Ed McMahon, Rudy Corlew. Yes. Support the show if you feel so led. Uh, over on Patreon.com, we're known as Bald Spots Pro. You'll find some interesting rewards for your support. And don't you dare miss Not Quite After Midnight. You can find us on Facebook and wherever fine podcasts are offered. Please like, comment, and share to stay informed. You know, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you got to do to keep that out, kick that algorithm into gear and uh, help us reach more people because that is part of the point. If you or someone you know needs support now, call or text 988 or chat 988lifeline.org. That is the, uh, the uh, uh, mental health crisis hotline here in the United States. So uh, once again, thank you all for tuning in and have yourselves a wonderful whenever.